Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study Jeremiah the Prophet, Yirmiyahu, chapter 37. And in this chapter we are going to uh, speed ahead a bit a couple of years. The last two chapters occurred during the reign of Yehoiakim. These are and the we just read in the last chapter about the, when Yirmiyahu the prophet had a scroll written with all of his prophecies. The scroll was presented to the king Yehoiakim. The king ignored it. He tore up and burnt the scroll. The scroll in it was the lesson that he should have learned that he needed to be humble. He needed to accept that God expected the people to change their evil ways and um, and if they would, they would be able to be saved from the oncoming disaster of the Babylonian invasion. However, he chose to ignore that message and uh, instead order the arrest of Yirmiyahu, the arrest of Jeremiah. Now, just a reminder of the history, Yehoiakim was a king that was, he followed his father, Yoshiao, Josiah, um, and he was placed in power by the Babylonians. He, Yehoiakim, rebelled against the Babylonians. The Babylonians came and attacked. Before the Babylonians actually conquered Jerusalem, Yehoiakim died, and his son, Yehoiachin, took over. This son, Yehoiachin, also sometimes goes by the name Kinnayahu or Kanyahu or in English Konaya, okay? So he was only king for a few months because the he continued in the rebellion against the Babylonians. The Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and took Yehoiachin into exile together with many of the noblemen and craftsmen of Judah, took them into exile into Babylon, and then then Nebuchadnezzar, um, the king of Babylon, took Tzidkiyahu, who was another son of Josiah, so he was the brother of Yehoiakim, put him in place as king, as a vassal king, and expected him to act as a vassal king, subservient to the Babylonians. Tzidkiyahu then decided eventually also to rebel against Babylon, also against the instructions of Jeremiah, and who was conveying the word of God. And um, the Babylonians then were fed up, came and attacked and conquered Tzidkiyahu uh, and took him into exile and destroyed the temple and so on. Now, what we're, the, the story that we just read before, the scroll that was burnt by Yehoiakim, occurred before the first invasion from Babylon happened. It was still during the reign of Yehoiakim. Now we're fast forwarding to the end of the time of the reign of Tzidkiyahu, a time where Tzidkiyahu, the last king of Judah, had decided to rebel, and the rebellion was on full force, and the king of Babylon was approaching Jerusalem. So we fast forwarded a bunch of years, maybe about 10, 15 years or so, and we're about to start this chapter. These next series of chapters 
from 37 for the next five or six chapters read much like a history. They read much more like a history than the, all the previous chapters we had in Jeremiah in which we read about prophecies. Uh, we do have some prophecies scattered here and there, but this is much more a description written, uh, traditionally we assume this is written by Jeremiah himself, but it's a description of the events that occurred in the final days of the kingdom of Judah, the final years as it was falling until they, it did fall, and the events that occurred after the fall of the temple and the exile of the remaining Judeans. And we're going to read about those events in the following chapters. So it's going to read very differently, and um, it's a lot easier to translate. There's going to be less places where I have to struggle with the meanings of the word. It's much more straightforward, as it is much more of a description of events than it is uh, a um, transmission of, of ideas. So let's start with 30. But of course, there is uh, obviously a lot to learn from these events, and let's see what, let's, let's begin. Verse 1. Vayimlach melech ben Yoshio. So the king of Tzidkiyahu, or Tedekiah, became the king. He was the son of Josiah. Tachat kanyahu ben Yehoyakim. He was placed as king instead of, in place of, Koniah or Kanyahu, who is the same as Yehoyachin, who is the son of Yehoyakim. Remember, Yehoyakim rebelled first. His son, Yehoyachin, or Kanyahu, depending on what name you want to use, um, took over. And then Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, attacked and took Kanyahu into exile and placed Tzidkiyahu in his place as a vassal. So he took the king into exile and took the king's uncle and put him as king. Which the king of Babylon made him the king over Judah. This is verse 2. God had instructed Tzitkiyahu, the king, through his prophet Jeremiah, not to rebel against Babylon because this subservience to Babylon was a punishment for their deeds. God's instructions were that he should lead the people in repentance, lead the people in improving themselves, but not to rebel. But he did not listen. He did not listen and the people did not listen. They thought they could go to the temple and pray and do sacrifices continue and continue their corrupt ways. We saw what they did with releasing their slaves and re-enslaving their slaves. That all happened during this time period. Um, they thought they can continue their corrupt ways, but beat Babylon on the battlefield and just go ahead and rebel. So, Vayishlach HaMelech Tzidkiyahu and the king Tzidkiyahu sent at Yehuchal ben Shalemiah, this is the name of a person, and Vetzvanyahu ben Maasheya HaKohen, and another a person, a priest named Tzvanyahu, and he sent them El Yermiyahu HaNavile Mart, Jeremiah the prophet, saying as follows, Please, you Jeremiah are a prophet, pray for us to God. Now remember, that we, in the last chapter, 
the uh, message that was read to the people from the scroll was read to the people when they came on a fast day to pray to God. Prayer in the temple was something that the people understood. They thought that by praying to God, and if you're a holy man, especially when you pray to God, you will somehow change things and God will somehow listen to you. The message that they ignored was what was written in the scroll was that what God wanted was not prayer, but what God wanted was personal improvement. He wanted the nation to improve. He wanted the people to be better people. This is the message that is repeated so often and so many times in all of the prophets that we have read until now. And it's consistent and persistent and repeated again and again and again that prayer alone does nothing. But Zidkiyahu was lo shamu. He was, did not listen. He did not hear the message that Jeremiah was trying to teach. And therefore, he persisted and said, asked Jeremiah, pray for us, pray for us. Maybe you can save, save us. So at this point in time, presumably because, remember, Yermiyahu has been in and out of jail and in and out of the stockade, and in and out of all kinds of, of, of suffering that the authorities put him through because of what they uh, claimed was his rebelliousness and refusal to, um, to go along with the program and constantly be a thorn on their side. But at this particular time, presumably because Tzidkiyahu wanted Jeremiah to be free presumably because he wanted Jeremiah to pray and that somehow Jeremiah's magical prayer would somehow fix everything. So Yermio at this point was free. He was free to go about among the people. He was not in jail. And he was not placed in jail. He was not at this time incarcerated. And at this time, if you remember when we talked about the enslavement and re-enslavement, there was a short period of time of reprieve where, where the Babylonians had laid siege, but then they heard that the Egyptian army was coming to help the people of Judea, the people of Jerusalem. So the Babylonian army left Jerusalem so that the siege was lifted, and they turned their attention to fighting the Egyptians. So that's verse 5. The armies of Pharaoh had left Egypt, and the Chaldeans, remember the Chaldeans and the Babylonians are really one group of people, those that had laid siege to Jerusalem, they heard at Shimam the news that the Egyptian army was coming. So and they got up and they left from Jerusalem. So the siege was lifted. So we have a few months of reprieve here. And the people are thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe the, we're, our prayer is working. God is listening. Maybe we'll be saved from the Babylonian army. Maybe the Egyptians will conquer the Babylonians and then the, the, they'll rescue us and so on. So, but then in verse 6, The word of God to Jeremiah the prophet was as follows. This is the message I want you to give the people. This is what God, the Lord of Israel, says, and this is the message I want you to give to the king of Judah. Which king? That king who is sending you to me to search me out. The king who said, pray to God. 
I'm telling you, this is God is informing him him of the following. That army of Egypt that is coming to help you, he's going to turn around and run back to Egypt. The Babylonians are going to um, be more powerful. The Egyptians are going to turn tail and run right back and retreat back to Egypt. And then, the Chaldeans are going to turn right back around and come back to Jerusalem and wage war against the city. They will capture it. So tell that king who asked you to come pray to me, tell him that that ain't going to work. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm looking for. They're coming back. So says God, Don't delude yourselves into thinking. I saw that translation in the JPS and I think that's, that's a beautiful translation of these words. Don't delude yourselves into thinking. Oh, the Chaldeans have now left us. Everything is fine. Everything is cool. They're not going anywhere. I'm telling you, you guys, even if you yourselves had struck down the entire army of the Chaldeans with whom you are waging war, and the only people that were left of the Chaldeans were injured soldiers, those soldiers, injured soldiers themselves that are lying in the hospital tents are going to get up and they'll be able to attack you and destroy the city. Because I am not on your side, God says. I am giving the city over to the hand of the Chaldeans. I don't care what happens in the battle, not in battle with you, not in battle with Egypt. Even if the Chaldeans were only left with a few wounded soldiers, those wounded soldiers would beat you anyway. And when the child, child, when the the army of the Chaldeans had left from Jerusalem, from because of the of the of the army of Pharaoh. So now there was this reprieve. The following events occurred. So God had told Jeremiah to tell the people that the Chaldeans will be back. The Babylonians will be back, and this and Paro. The, the pharaoh of Egypt is going to turn tail and retreat back to Egypt. But there is this time of reprieve. So people are able to leave the city. They're able to go back out to the, to the farms. They're able to go back out to the, to the smaller towns in the, in the countryside. So, um, so Jeremiah was, you remember he was from Anatot. He was from the town of Anatot, which was in the portion of, 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 um, of uh of the the um i'm sorry uh it was a portion of benjamin so he went to the land of benjamin in order to um uh, uh, he wanted to, to to get out of the city right you know god had instructed and had told him and predicted that the city was going to fall and people were now able to leave the city. People had been holed up in the, within the walls because of the siege, but now the siege is lifted, so people are able to leave. So Yermio uh, go, is going out with the crowd. And he was then there in the gates of Binyamin. Um, the gates of Binyamin is presumably a... Uh, 
the gate that faced the territory of Benjamin. So therefore, the gate from if you were traveling from within the city of Jerusalem towards the land of Benjamin, you would go through this gate. So it was called the gate of Benjamin. Visham Bal Pekidut, there was a a uh, um, an officer, you know, who was like a border guard, so to speak, who was at the gate watching people that were coming and going. His name was Yiriya, and it says what his father's name and grandfather's name was. And he saw Jeremiah going out with the crowd, and he grabbed him from the crowd. And he said to him, You are a traitor. I know why you're leaving. You're leaving because you want to join the enemy. That's why you've been saying all these prophecies this time. Because you wanna, you want to, um, you want us to capitulate to the, to the Chaldeans. You're not going to escape. You're going because you want to join the enemy. I got you. So now, and Jeremiah responded, "Sheker, that's a lie. Ain't any no fail al kastim. I am not going to. I am faithful to my people. I am not going to, to um." to uh, defect, it would be the best word, to defect to the Chaldeans. V'lo shomai love, but the officer Yiriyah did not listen to him. V'yitpos Yiriyah b'yirmiyahu, and Yiriyah arrested him, v'yivyehu el hasarim, and he brought him to the officers to see what to do with this person, Jeremiah, who he was claiming was a traitor. And the officers were angry with Jeremiah and they accused him, of course, falsely of being a traitor. And they, they whipped him and beat him. And they put him in a prison house of Beit Yehonatan Hasofer, a prison house which used to be the home of Jonathan the scribe, some a person. But it was turned into a prison, and apparently it was a particularly brutal prison. Ki also asul beitakela. They made that into a prison, and it's a prison where they put the worst people, and it was a prison where most people were left to die. I guess the equivalent of um, of of, a, of an isolation uh, prison um, today. Uh, but but uh, so so. But it was an awful prison that they put him in. So I'm up to verse 16. Um, this is how Yirmiyahu ended up in the... Um, Beit HaBar literally means the house, the place of the pits, which is just, it's a reference to the area where the prisons were. And one of those prisons was this room that we just mentioned, and literally that means the shops, but... Shops then were like s cells, um, so the, uh, this refers to prison cells. And for many days, Jeremiah was stuck in this awful prison. However, remember, the king Zedekiah, Zedekiahu, knew and understood the value of Jeremiah, which is why he had asked him to pray. He knew he was a holy man. So there's a little bit of a mixed bag here. Where now we have the um, officers of Tidkiyahu are 
whipping and imprisoning and torturing Jeremiah, but the king himself has has a little bit of a soft spot for him. So Vayishlach HaMelech, we're up to 17, Tzidkiyo, and the king Tzidkiyo, when he, he knew that he was, Jeremiah was in prison, he sent for him, Vayikocheyo, and he took him out of the prison. Vayishaleyo HaMelech Bebeito Baseser, and he spoke, and the king, in secret, met with Jeremiah in the house of the king. Vayomer, and he said to him, Hayesh Dovar Adonai, is there any word from God? It's incredible if you think about this image here. The king knows that the holiest man, the one who's really truly connected with God, is being tortured and imprisoned. And he asks him to pray, and then he tells him prayer isn't going to do anything. And when he's in prison, he draws him out of prison and says, hmm, have you been spoken to God? Maybe God told you something. Maybe there's something I should know. Tell me. I want to hear the word. So Vayomer Yirmiyahu and Jeremiah answered, Yesh. There is the word from God. However, you're not going to like it. You are going to be given over to the hand of the king of Babylon. You're going to lose this battle. So yes, I do have a message from God, but it's not exactly what you want to hear. And then, Jeremiah pleaded for his plight in front of the king. You brought me out here in secret. You know that I'm a holy man. What have I sinned before you? Have I done anything rebellious against you as the king? Or towards your servants? What have I done bad to this nation? They're claiming that I'm a traitor. I've, not, I've done nothing except try to help them and try to save them. So what have I done? That I deserve to be placed in this terrible jail. Where are your prophets? Asher Nibulachem Lemar. All of those false prophets that they've been bibbling, they've been babbling all this time and saying to you these false prophecies that Lo that the king of Babylon isn't going to come and attack. He's not going to come and attack this land. Obviously, now you see that they were full of, that they that they that they were full of false prophecies and, and, and they were just trying to say what you wanted to hear. Where did they go now? I was the faithful one. I was the one saying the truth the whole time. And now I've been vindicated because you see the siege came and the king of Babylon did come. Why am I being treated like a traitor? Please listen to me, my master, the king. Jeremiah continues to plead with the king. Please listen to my, to my, um, to my pleas. Don't let me go back to that jail. And then I would end up dying there. That jail is so such an awful, awful, desperate prison. If I go back there, I'm going to end up dying in prison. Just whatever you want to do with me, fine, but just please don't let me go back to that prison. By And the king commanded, And he placed him in a different place in what we'll call the guarded yard or the prison yard. This must have been a place where more um, higher level uh, white collar criminals <laughs> were being kept uh, a place and we have seen in several chapters before Yermio in the Chatzar HaMatara the place of the sale of the if you remember several chapters ago where the sale took place took place when Yermio, when Jeremiah was in this Chatzar HaMatara in this prison yard so you see that there there was more interaction with others 
there was food, he had money. It was it's a different different kind of uh, situation, much different than the terrible prison where he was before. And the king gave to him, He gave him a, a loaf of bread each day to eat so that he should at least have something to eat um, from the chutzofim, from the... Uh, from the baker's market, uh, the the baker's yard, and he kept getting that portion of bread until the point in history where unfortunately the city ran out of bread because remember the siege did continue and um, on, at some point the city ran out of food. At that point, obviously, Jeremiah also stopped getting his daily ration of bread. Jeremiah remained in the um, prison yard where um, uh, um, and where he remained during the siege. And we had heard several of the messages that Yermio gave, the most famous one being the sale of the field, where Yermio gave a very bright and beautiful vision of the ultimate redemption. But now we are reading the history, we are reading the story of what happened. Jeremiah now at least was upgraded in prison, but still imprisoned. And we also see the mixed, um, the mixed picture of Tzidkiyahu, of the king. We see a king who is, it seems like he's not, uh, he's, he knows enough to understand that Jeremiah is a holy man and that Jeremiah is honest and that Jeremiah has something to teach, but he's not brave enough and not strong enough to stand up to his officers um, and his, uh, who want who A, want to fight, who want to remain arrogant, and who don't want to, and, and, and who want to accuse Jeremiah falsely. So this concludes chapter 37. Thank you so much for studying chapter 37 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 38 and of course the rest of the book of Jeremiah.